so I'm really genuinely quite glad that Rich introduced me how he did because he said that he said that I'm passionate about prayer. Okay, and I was actually going to start by saying, for a lot of you in here who know me, you'd probably think, brilliant, Matt's, uh, Matt or Foxy, oh, okay, people call me Foxy, I refer to myself sometimes as Foxy, it's not weird if you don't know me, um, my surname is Fox, alright, so if I slip in and just say, Foxy said this or whatever, it's not weird. Actually, sorry, I'm going to go on a tangent very quickly, I know this is breaking all preaching rules, but, so I was uh, at, at a school the other day. And, um, and one of the young people came up to me and he said, Foxy, why do they call you Foxy? And I was a bit, I was a bit bemused as to, um, <laughs> bit bemused as to why he hadn't quite got it. And I was like, well, my surname's Fox. No joke, he actually thinks my name is Foxy Fox. <laughs> Seriously. Anyway, so, um, so I'm glad that you, you said Matt, not Foxy, but I'm glad that you said that I'm passionate about prayer because I was going to start by saying that lots of people think, oh, Matt's really passionate about prayer. Well, I was actually going to correct that thought, because it may come as a massive surprise to you, though I am passionate about prayer sometimes, genuinely, I find prayer really hard. I find it hard, I, it's not, I don't find it easy at all. Yeah, I might, I might pray with passion behind me, passion in my sails, but it's something that I really, genuinely, don't, it doesn't come easy to me, it's not second nature, and I think, um, if we're honest, it probably is like that across the room. It's perhaps not second nature to us to pray. There's probably a deep desire if you're a Christian and you know Jesus that you want to pray, you want to grow in your prayer life, but there's this tension, there's this struggle, there's this weakness inside us. But I want to just, um, I want to tell you how God sees prayer to start off with, okay? Because God is passionate about prayer and unlike my passion and unlike your passion, his passion stays the same. He is so passionate about prayer, you know, it says in the Bible that God wants to build a house and his house is going to be called a house of prayer. A house of prayer for all nations to come and get involved in. You see, when I was thinking about this, when I was preparing, I was thinking, God ultimately, this may come as a shock, he's not building a mission organisation. Okay? Mission serves what he is building. And I'm a massive advocate of mission. I, the Great Commission, you know, go out and make disciples of all people, tell people the good news, completely and utterly, 100%. But the reason we're doing that is so they can come into our home and experience what God is building. God is about prayer. He loves prayer and he wants our house to be made of prayer. At the moment, uh, five months ago, Rachel and I, my wife, we, we, we moved house. And um, we, within five months, we've gone through three brand new sofas. Okay? The first sofa we got from DFS just uh, didn't quite cut it for us. Just a bit too chunky. So we thought, well, let's get a, we'll get a recliner. A nice big recliner, you know, lay back, nice and fun. Anyway, that's come. And um, so Rachel's really embarrassed I'm saying this now. But again, we just don't like it. Uh-uh. Shabby chic. That's what we're going for now, okay? We want shabby chic. We know what we want, so we're going to be we're going to be sending our second sofa back um, because we found one that we like, which meets the shabby chic criteria. We know what we want. We know what we're building. The in, the interior of God's house is prayer. God knows what He wants to build. He wants to build a community of people who are praying and seeking Him with their heart, their mind, and their soul, and praying for one another, praying for the nations, bringing us into this community. God is passionate about prayer. All the time. So why I'm really excited to be able to talk about prayer today. Not only is God passionate about prayer, right? Jesus modelled a life of prayer. Jesus, fully man, but fully God, prayed so often, so regularly. 
It's amazing. If you were to read the Gospels with the kind of the eye search on for seeing prayer, the amount of times you see prayer and Jesus in the same stories, it's incredible. Often he'll pray before something significant happens. At the start of his public ministry, he's praying. When he's choosing what disciples to pick, he's praying. When he goes round to a mate's house and his mum's ill, there's prayer, there's healing. Even in his darkest days, in his darkest hours, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's on his... He's in his prayer mode. He's praying on the cross himself, on the cross itself. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's a prayer that comes out. One of his last words. It's a prayer. Jesus modelled prayer. He was about prayer. He loved prayer, just like God loves prayer. And you know what? It's not just God and Jesus who love prayer. The Holy Spirit is all about prayer as well. The Holy Spirit. It says in Romans, which is a book in the New Testament. It says, the Holy Spirit's nature intercedes for us. Okay? It intercedes, it prays for us with groans which are, which are too deep for words. Okay? There's something about the Holy Spirit which is, which is switched on for helping us to pray and praying for us. The Godhead, three in one, are about prayer. So we're going to look at prayer today because, if you're like me, you don't find it easy, but it's a passion of the Trinity so I want, I want us to grow in that. I want to grow in that. Um, do you guys want to grow in prayer today? Do you want to learn a bit about prayer? Yeah? yeah? Okay, a few people. That's great. That's all we need. So what I'm not going to do, I'll just say this from the start before we dive into some, um, some stories and looking at some of the scriptures. What I'm not going to do is I'm not going to necessarily answer all the, the big questions that surround prayer, like um, why some prayers are unanswered. Um, or how big, exactly how big is a mustard seed of faith? Jesus talks about having faith like a mustard seed. Well, what, what measure of faith is a mustard seed? I don't have all the answers to prayer, but what I am going to try and do today is look at some of the principles that I do see in the Bible to try and help us and encourage us. For some of you, you might not learn a lot, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good to quicken this in your mind again and remember some of these fundamental truths about prayer. Okay? Because God wants us to grow in prayer. So I'm going to preach on what I know. I'm not going to preach on what I don't know. Hopefully it's going to do us a world of good. So, as I said, prayer didn't really come... Prayer doesn't come naturally to me. Though I was brought up in a home where prayer was very much uh, in the DNA of how we rolled. Um, I remember um, I remember when I was really little, uh, my mum praying because uh, we didn't have a lot of money at one point and prayed that she'd have some money to be able to buy my dad a present because it was his birthday. And, um, and they say money doesn't grow on trees. It doesn't grow on trees, but you can find it in a bush in the front garden at 193 Dominion Road in Worthing if you pray. <laughs> okay? God, there was just a, a, I think it was, was it £10? £10, ask my sister. It was a, a tenner in the bush, and it was enough to be able to buy my dad a present, okay? A little illustration. But I remember very clearly hearing that, being fascinated by it. God hears our prayers right from an early age. I was, I was well aware. I remember another time I was, I was at a family holiday. We were in Cornwall. We were with uh, another family that we knew, and I was on this zip wire, probably about 10 foot high or so, and um, just launched off the wall to go on the zip wire, and the cables came undone. And I fell on my wrist, huge lump coming out of my wrist. Now, I, I've broken nine bones in my life. Some people call me clumsy. I'm an, ex- I say myself, I'm an extreme sportsman. Um, but I know what a broken bone felt like. And there was a lump coming out of my wrist. And I know a broken bone when I feel a broken bone. But 
Another example of prayer growing up. My dad and some of the friends that we were with just got around us, prayed for my wrist. Within 10 minutes, the, the lump had completely gone. I was able to move my hand and carry on going on the zip wire once they fixed it. Um, so I've got an experience of prayer. But it wasn't until I was in my gap year after college when I was uh, working for my church, doing some youth work, that I, uh, I realised that it's something that God wants me to engage with myself, not just sit on the fence and watch. I think we could be quite good sometimes at watching other people pray and joining in the victory of other people's prayers, but God wants this some, something for us all to engage in. And that kind of really came alive to me on my gap year. Um, and the moment that came alive, um, in God's wisdom, various challenges came into my life. Um, and I'll share a little bit more about some of them a little bit later on um, in the preach uh, to help illustrate some points. But again, um, it wasn't easy, though I suddenly saw it was my, you know, I want this, I want to pray. Significant challenges, significant hardships. So when I was preparing, thinking, well, how can I, how can I try and stir faith in us to pray? I was, uh, I was reminded of um, two verses in James 5. Um, if we can have them up on the back and I will read them out. Okay, I was reminded of these, these two verses. Okay, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it didn't rain on the earth. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now, I don't know about you, but I read, I read verses like that, and I get really, really excited. Okay? So this, this dude, Elijah, right? So if you don't know who Elijah is, okay? Elijah was a prophet. He lived in the Old Testament times. So we've got the New Testament and the Old Testament. Old Testament times is a story of, of God's people, the Israelites. And every now and again, uh, the Israelites would sort of stray away. Um, and they'd serve foreign gods, and God would, could, would raise up different prophets, and the prophets kind of spoke um, directly into situations, um, sometimes addressing foreign kings and foreign, um, foreign uh, rulers, and they would help bring the people of God back in line with what they're doing. So Elijah was a prophet, okay? But interestingly, it says he was a man with a nature like ours. I don't know about you, but when I, when I read that and I see a nature uh, like ours, I think to myself, really? This dude is controlling the weather. Like, I could have done with that last week when it was 32 degrees, yeah? I'm, I've got orange hair and white skin. I could do with controlling the weather. My skin is to the sun what a red flag is to a bull, right? If I could just suddenly pray and, and control the weather, that'd be pretty cool, right? I think we'd all like that. A man like us? Surely not, not Elijah. Here's the thing, though. It says he has a nature like ours. Now, Paul talks a little bit about this, this nature which I think is being referred to here. There's a, it's, it's, it's a nature which is, which is about a, a weakness. Like I already said, there's a weakness uh, in us. Okay? Paul, Paul says in Romans, I alluded to it earlier on when I said, remember the Holy Spirit that intercedes uh, with us? Well, if you read around those verses about the Holy Spirit interceding for us, it's coming out of this, this place of... Um, of him saying that we are weak and we don't know how to pray. And he's using the word we, okay? In our weaknesses, he says. It's not in my weakness or a specific person to the church that he was writing to. As a general acknowledgement. Paul acknowledges our weaknesses. We don't know how to pray, okay? Elijah, similarly, there's a weakness about him, which is why I want us to look for the next sort of 
20-25 minutes or so, we're going to look at this, these stories okay, in the Old Testament. Because if Elijah was a man like us, and he's got a prayer life like that, I think there's something for all of us to learn here, and perhaps something for all of us to grow in and maybe access. So, in a moment, what I want us to do is I want us to turn to um, to First Kings, and we're going to read this story, because if there's some prayers there for us to, to, to look at, and study and see. I want I want us to kind of really understand them. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna try and get into these prayers here. So it says that well, there's two prayers, isn't there? It says first of all that he prayed that it wouldn't rain and it stopped raining. Okay. Then three and a half years later, it's a long time. Three and a half years later, no rain. He prays again. And he's being commended for those two prayers. Right? There's two commendations, as it were. The only kind of two commendations that we get in the Bible for specific prayers, you kind of get the impression that these are probably significant prayers, right? Yeah, thank you, Adam. Okay, absolutely. So, if we could turn to 1 Kings 17. We're going to read the first seven verses, and then we're going to skip, and I'll tell you where we'll skip to in a moment. We're going to read these two prayers, and we're going to see what we can learn from them. Okay? Make sense? Yeah. Okay, so it says, Now Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years, except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here, turn eastward and hide yourself in the, book, in the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. Now we're going to fast track to 1 Kings 18, so the next chapter. I want you to go to verse 41. And again, it should come up behind me. So this is the second account, okay? When he prays for the rain to start again. It says, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the rushing rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up on the top of the mountain to Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth, and he put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And he said, Go again, seven times. And at the seventh time he said, Behold, a little cloud, like a man's hand, is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Wow. Kind of brings it to life a little bit, doesn't it, reading the actual account, not just the reference in James. But I don't know if you've noticed something. There's, uh, there's something missing. Maybe actually there's more than something missing. There's two things that are missing. Okay? There's no prayer. Huh? 
There's no prayers in the... Have you, have you noticed when you read this, there's not actually any specific prayers in these accounts. So we've got this, this guy James, who's writing a letter to encourage people about prayer, and he chooses two prayers. When we read the account in the Old Testament, there isn't actually prayer there. Now, does that mean that there wasn't prayer? No, because the Bible has said that there was prayer. Okay, it says it in James, and we've got to believe that there was prayer. But in the actual account that we're reading, we don't see the specific prayer. It's a bit strange, because if you want to look at a prayer, and study a prayer, James could have chosen, I mean, there's some incredible prayers, particularly in the Old Testament. I mean, there's the prayer, there's a a guy called Joshua, who became one of the leaders of the Israelites, and and he's in this battle at this time, um, and uh, and he's he's conquering, he's making ground, there's thousands more to to kill and slay, and he's like, oh, it's going to get dark in a minute, so he prays this incredible prayer and asks that the sun would stand still, and the moon that would stand still, so he could carry on conquering and winning ground. And you read this really amazing prayer, and the sun stands still, and the moon stands still, and he conquers, and he wins in battle. I mean, that's a great prayer. Surely that's a, you know, why, why doesn't James use a prayer like that? Or there's a Samson. So Samson is a, a guy in the Old Testament who, um, who props up. He's a guy who, who kind of, his life is for the Lord's, and he has, he has strength, real strength. Some of you may have read this story when you were little, little children. His hair, uh, kind of is part of his, his strength, and his hair gets cut, and he loses his strength. Um, but he's, he's really angry that the people who aren't following God are kind of, uh, basically living in nonsense and he wants to destroy the temple but he has no he has no strength so there's this prayer that we read this amazing prayer and he prays that god would fill him with strength one more time so he could push the pillars in the temple where he is and that the temple would come down and kill him and all the philistines and god answers his prayer and this amazing thing happens so you kind of wonder well james come on mate like Surely you should have chosen a, an illustration that we can actually kind of learn some things from the prayer itself. Well, I want to suggest to you that there are, there are three things that we can still learn. Um, and it's not so much in the what is being said in, in here, because there is no what. But I think we can learn some things about how Elijah is conducting himself, which we can, I think, uh, meaningfully apply to this whole uh, area of prayer and our prayer life. So the first thing I want to suggest in these here verses to encourage us is what I've called standing faith. Okay? So, the first verse of 1 Kings 17 says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead, it's nice that they tell us that, um, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand. I want to pause on that. Before whom I stand. You see, I'm convinced that Elijah's conviction of who ultimately he stands behind without a shadow of a doubt, would have been played out in his prayer life because it's played out in this situation. So let me help you understand this situation. You see, Elijah's coming, he just pops up on the scene, and he's coming before King Ahab. Now, King Ahab was 
not a very nice guy. In fact, it says of King Ahab that, um, that he frustrated and angered the Lord more than any king before him or after him. Okay? King Ahab wasn't a nice guy. He was uh, establishing all sorts of foreign gods, Asherah poles, and Baal, and all these fake gods. And, and God was really angry. And he was causing loads of people to follow all these horrible gods. Yet he was the king. Okay? And he had power and dominion and ruling. And then Elijah props up on scene, right? And he doesn't say, Your Majesty, I come with a message. If you, if you would let me, I will tell you it is going to rain. Um, there's no addressing him as king. He comes and stands before King Ahab, okay? And he says those beautiful words, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand. Now, without a shadow of a doubt, if that's his stance before King Ahab, I think he's got something in his prayer life that I want to get. This understanding of who we stand before. So who do we stand before? We stand before an almighty king. An almighty God. The ruler of all creation. Okay? He's the, he's the, the, the conductor of creation. He's the choir master of nature. He is the, he is the, the, the one who has always been. He doesn't need anyone. He doesn't need any of us. He is the most powerful, all supreme being. All power is in him. All power is because of him. Our very being is only because he has power. He sustains our every moment with his word. This is our God. He is holy. Holy, holy. Three times holy. He's so other from us. Yet, there's this understanding here that Elijah shows us that he's standing before that king. Okay? So how can we stand before that king? Well... In Hebrews, it says this. In Hebrews 4, verse 16, it says, Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in the time of trouble. You see, Jesus is our great high priest that has made a way for us to stand boldly and confidently before this king, who we should crumble before, who if we were to even utter his name, Really, the right response is for us to be, to be blotted out. He's so holy. Yet, because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done for us, Jesus has made a way for us to be able to stand confidently before the God who can click his fingers and everything will stop instantly. Who can click his fingers and everything will start again. Who can do whatever he wants. We have access into this throne room because of what Jesus has done for us. Because what Jesus has done for you, you can stand rightfully clean. You see, there was a problem. This problem was sin. Sin meant that you weren't, you couldn't come before a holy God. A holy God means that they can't have any ounce of sin at all near them. But God loved us so much that he wanted something to change. So he did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Okay, He took all the punishment that we deserve for our sin, which are the things that don't please God, that turn us away, um, that can't have anything to do with God. The things deep down inside we know are, are wrong, yeah, in our inmost being. Jesus came to take the punishment that was causing this blockage that couldn't come anywhere near a holy God because of our dirtiness. Right? That is what Jesus did for us at the cross. He made a way for us. To be able to fully come, confidently, completely clean, not worrying about the, the sins that we've done before, which in our mind we might say are going to disqualify us from coming before this throne of grace. Okay, grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. 
There's a throne of grace. God is giving us what we don't deserve. Access before him to stand confidently. No wonder he's not worried. Elijah's not worried about King Ahab. King Ahab, a mere mere mortal. Okay? He's not worried about a mere mortal. He's standing and thinking, well, I stand behind this heavenly king. This God who is untouchable, yet I stand before him. Christians, if you know Jesus, that is who you stand before when you pray. He's made a way for us to stand confidently before him. And what I love in the Bible is that um, is uh, Jesus, right? He he tells us in he gives us he gives us an example of how to pray, right? So in the Gospels, the disciples come up to Jesus and they they say, Look, "Teach us how to pray, Jesus." And, and Jesus says, "Okay, when you pray, you'll know it. It's the Lord's prayer." He says, "Start off by saying, Our Father.'" Okay. Now I'm convinced that the reason Jesus is saying, "Start by saying, Our Father." Yes, it's because God deserves recognition okay, before him. Let's not just come thinking about our own selves. Yeah, me, me, me. Let's think we're coming before, uh, we're coming before God and he deserves praise. But I think Jesus realises that there's an identity issue which is a battle and a struggle in our minds. Okay, we need to know who we're coming before. So he's saying, when you pray, say, Our Father, because that is who you're coming before, because you can come before your Father because of what I'm going to go and do for you. Okay? So... There's, a, there's an access for us to come before our Father that Jesus tells us about and that you know, Elijah models just by the way he stands before this, this king. But I don't know about you. Sometimes when I'm praying, I get all these, these niggles and these doubts which strain and sap my desire to pray and my, my kind of faith to even, even lift my head up, let alone utter any words. Yeah? Uh, I've had that many times where this condemnation creeps in. Okay? Condemnation is basically saying, you're not worthy to stand before God. You, mere mortal before God, you can't, you, you're not allowed to go anywhere near Him because you did that yesterday. You said that. You acted that way. You didn't do this. You did that. Did, 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 don't, don't, don't. And all these lies come in. There's a real battle. When we're talking about prayer, there's a real, a real battle going on. And I just want to move on to my next point in a moment, but I want to just encourage you to stand firm in the truth that we believe. Okay? God wants us to be those people who are engaging in passionate prayer. So we need to, we need to be on the forefront in our minds to engage uh, in that kind of squashing condemnation and saying, no, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, we are in Christ Jesus. We are firmly established. We have a place in the throne room of grace. Amen? Amen. Okay, the second thing I want to just suggest very quickly is believing faith. Okay? Believing faith. So, just now standing faith was sort of looking at his first prayer, which we don't see, but we see a principle at work. Now we're going to look at the, the kind of when he, when he uh, does what he does, and then the, the rain starts again. So, in, uh, again, at the beginning of First Kings... 18. We didn't read this, but I want to read something to you because it says, After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Now, I didn't read that to you just now, but sort of 17, 17 verses later is where we started uh, what, I, what I read to you, where we hear that 
Elijah hears something, okay? What he hears, it says, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a rushing rain. Now, this is a bit strange, because physically speaking, there, there isn't any rain at that point, because we know later on the cloud comes, and then it gets black, and then the rain comes. So, what is he hearing? Because I don't, I don't think he's hearing physical rain at that point. But there's a confidence. Again, he's coming before, before Ahab. I'm sure Ahab would like to hear this news now. Three and a half years later, oh, finally, there's going to be some rain. But he hears this rain. I wonder if Ahab heard that rain. I'd imagine he didn't. Because I think Elijah heard, heard something in faith. And I think that there was a confidence that came... Because there was a promise that was delivered to him earlier on. God said that that rain will come again. Now go and tell Ahab. There was something that God had said. And when it comes to believing faith, we need to be a people who build our prayer life and our faith on the promises that God has said. Okay, there's a confidence in Elijah's response. It's almost as if he could actually hear that rain, but in his spiritual ears. Because he was so confident, because God had said, it will happen. It will happen. And then, it happened. But again, there's a fight, there's a battle involved, but we need to be standing on God's promises, right? There are so many promises. And it's not just the word of God. Um, In the Bible, there's many promises that we can use and help aid our prayer life. But sometimes prophetic words as well. When I've had a prophetic word, which is when God uh, speaks through someone for our encouragement, our building, um, for our comfort, we can use them as springboards into our prayer life because it's something that God has said. And if God said it, it will happen. Okay? He always, he always finishes what he starts. And when he speaks, something starts. So we can use that confidently and come back to him and pray. Now remember I said, um, I said at the beginning that, uh, you know, remember I said, uh, well, when I was on my gap year, I kind of was awakened to this prayer life that, uh, that God wanted me to engage with. And then along came some battles and some hardships and some struggles. And it wasn't easy. Um, one of the things that happened, uh, my sister developed quite bad uh, epilepsy, um, and with that came a lot of sleeplessness and a lot of strain um, for her and the family. And um, this thing of of standing on God's word and praying God's promises was like the biggest uh, biggest gift in the world for me because I remember there was one time when my sister had she hadn't slept for nearly six days okay she just um, couldn't sleep because her body had gone into this horrible spiral and um, and it was getting quite serious and she was having lots of seizures uh, with the tiredness and um, so I, I decided that I was going to go out and pray and I, was remem- I remembered the story of, um, of David and Goliath. It's the story of a, of a little boy who conquers this, this uh, kind of army ruler um, who's a big giant. Um, and what he does is he gets five little pe- pebbles and then he, he, he uses a sling and he whacks Goliath around the head with the sling um, and Goliath crum- crumbles. Now, I felt God say to me, pick up five stones, five spiritual truths, okay? Five things that you can pray for your sister and use them and sling them against the enemy. So, 
I got on my knees for a couple of hours. I was asking God to speak to me, lead me to some scriptures that I could use to pray. Yeah, it said David rummaged around to find some pebbles. So that's what I did. And God gave me five scriptures. Okay, I'm not going to go through all of them now because I don't have time. Um, but what I did, I then went out at midnight. I spent an hour praying for each one of those stones. From midnight until five, I was walking around the streets of London, just praying specifically around uh, a promise about the way God is, the way God acts, the way God loves us, the way God cares for us, those kind of things. And I was applying it to this situation. You know, God, you said that you're all loving. Uh, be loving to my sister now. Lord, I was using these, the, the word of God back at him to break through in this situation. And around five o'clock, I kind of felt like this... this considering that I hadn't slept all night, uh, this, this, this joy inside me, um, which I just sort of thought, okay, I just want to start singing. So I thought, okay, I'll start singing and I'll go home and have some kip. Um, so I went home, had some kip, and then at about five o'clock in the evening when I woke up, um, I, uh, I remember looking at my phone, I had a text. I had a text from my mum, and she said that my sister Becky um, fell asleep at around half five in the morning. And it was the first time that she'd slept for like, six days and and I just thought to myself God you're so good thank you for your word thank you that I can pray your word back to you and thank you that you hear our prayers okay there was a confidence in Elijah he got that he got what I'm describing it was there so he can say I hear the rain I, I see the rain like we, we, we go on in a moment in fact let's go on now okay because the last point I want to leave you with is what I've called persevering faith okay Persevering faith. There's not just ears of faith, but a bit later on in the scripture, we see that um, what I've called eyes of faith. You see, he, he's, he knows something's coming, so he keeps sending his little servant, the poor guy, I have to keep going up the mountain to have a look to see if this cloud's coming back down again. Oh, seriously? Like, I would have just said, see you later, mate. <laughs> I quit. Um, but faithful servant, he kept going up because Elijah knew that it was going to come. There's coming. I've heard the rain. There's a cloud that's coming. Just tell me when it's coming, and then I can go and send the messenger and tell Ahab, and we can get this show on the road. Rain. Okay? But that was a perseverance. Seven times, it said, he kept going back. We don't read a prayer, but what we see is Elijah on his knees, head bent between his knees on the floor, in reverent submission, waiting, knowing that it was coming. Okay? There's something in the way he's praying. We don't read his prayer, but there must have been something going on in his heart at that time uh, of prayerful utterances to God while his little messenger's going and doing his deeds. And then... It comes back. I see a cloud in the distance. It's coming. But there's a perseverance. Now, again, I don't know about you. Aside from, aside from scriptural promises, okay, I, I find it really hard to keep going in prayer. Because I so often forget that God answers my prayers. Okay, so that amazing story that happened with my sister, only months later, I'm, I'm sort of back to square one again, and you know, feeling that weakness creeping up inside me, um, finding it hard to pray, battle involved. So what is, why, how, is, how is Elijah able to keep on praying? We don't have time to look at the specifics, but in those chapters, from in between the sort of the sandwich, as it were, of when he prayed for the rain to stop and it stopped, and he prayed for the rain to start and it started, there are at least three incredible miracles that happen. Incredible miracles, okay? So there's a supply of oil 
Um, for the person whose house he's staying with, they've run out of oil, they can't bake anything, um, they need some food, there's a drought going on. So Elijah prays, and there's an endless supply of oil until the day that it started raining. Then the people who he's staying with, their son dies, and, uh, and he does this incredible thing where he lays on the kid and kind of breathes life um, spiritually into him, and he, he comes alive again from the dead. Okay, and then there's this incredible story where where Elijah is on the mountainside and he's proving that his God is the one true real God, and all the other gods, uh, the fake gods out there, are kind of trying to bring fire on their offering. Nothing happens, and then Elijah calls down from heaven, and fire burns up this this soaking wet um, offering. Three incredible things that God done. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that Elijah used previous testimony to spur on this faith and confidence. And it's important that we keep remembering what God has done for us and keep remembering all those incredible encounters, yeah? So Tuesday mornings when we have prayer meetings, there are so many times that we have, a, we have testimony time, right, where we say the answers to prayers the previous week or we're praying for specific needs and someone interrupts and says, can I just say we prayed for this last week and it happened. These are the kind of things that are going to help nurture uh, a community of people who are persistent in prayer. Okay, so I don't know. I don't know how you do it, or how, but I try and make a note when I see a breakthrough moment. Um, I've got like a my Evernote nap, and I'll, uh, and I write down different things, different miracles that have happened. If they're not even ones that I've seen and prayed for, if I've heard, like um, Luke Greenway prayed for someone during the week who um, had a bad shoulder for 60 years um, and a bad back, and instantly, instantly healed. Okay, that's something that I'm going to use to spur me on to keep praying because all these weaknesses and doubts will come in if I don't say no but look God did that to that guy 60 years of pain like, okay I'm not going to I'm not going to listen to the fact that I'm thinking oh but, but what about that time when I prayed and that didn't happen I'm going to remember that time that it did happen and use that to spur me on that is I think what Elijah did but I find it hard to pray in the first place I hear you say Okay, it's all well and good me saying a persevering faith, stand strong in the word and all of this. But it could be that you're here today and you just, you just find it hard to pray. Okay, there is this weakness involved, obviously, that I keep saying about, but you find it hard to pray. Well, I want to leave you with just three or four, uh, well, three very quick, very easy uh, top tips to pray. If you find it hard to pray, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Okay? The Holy Spirit helps, as I said before. He wants to, us to engage with him who will help us to intercede and to pray. So if you're finding it hard to pray, or if you want your prayer life to be more awake and more alive, ask the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I need your help. How am we to pray here? Spend some time praying in tongues. Do what, do what you have to do. The Holy Spirit wants to help. Plan to pray. Okay? I know for myself, if I don't plan to get up early, I'm not going to get up early. Okay, I know if I'm not going to plan to go to that prayer meeting, I probably won't just happen to suddenly kind of click my fingers and I'm going to be there. You kind of have to plan it out. Particularly in today's sort of fast-paced world, uh, living in London, lots of busyness to, to, to go about. We need to plan it in. I reckon Jesus planned in prayer. You say you've got busy lives. Look at Jesus in his full-time ministry. The guy was hectic. I mean, seriously, one thing to another to another. Hordes of people having to run away to the villages to fight, get some space. You know, busy, busy man. He found time to pray. He'd pray all night long sometimes. Or he'd get up early and pray. But he would, he would have to have planned it in. How he would have just kept 
swept up in this busyness. Okay, plan to pray. Pray yourself to pray. If you want to know how to pray, if you want to grow in prayer, pray. Uh, It's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, this one. I find myself, when I start to pray, something happens inside me that sparks. It's like stoking a fire, and I want to pray more. And then the more I pray, the more I want to pray. And then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Trust me, if you're struggling to pray, just pray. Just pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you, but just pray. And finally, and I'll leave, I'll, I'll leave us with this one, pray with other people. Okay? Pray with other people. It's one of the most helpful things. When I first started out on this prayer journey, I was doing a gap year with my best mate at the time. Um, we lived together, uh, and there was a couple of our other best friends, and we sort of made a, a prayer group, a prayer pact, and we said we will we, we'll pray together, we'll journey this life in prayer together. We would go out for walks for like three or four hours at a time. We would just pray. We would get up early. We'd, get up, we'd set our alarm at three in the morning just to pray for a couple of hours sometimes. There's specific things we were doing. I wouldn't have been able to do half the amount of praying if I hadn't had my mate Joe with me at the time. He spurred me on, I spurred him on. When he was sleeping, I'd slap him around the head. And, and likewise, yeah, we would sort of spur each other on. Because we wanted to grow in this together. I said, I want to grow. He said, I want to grow. I was like, well, I'll make you grow and I'll make you grow. And we sort of kept prodding each other so we would pray more and more and more. And it really helped. So we've got running partners, okay? Pray of your running partners. I'd, I'd even recommend this week, speak to your running partners about your prayer life. Just be honest. How, how do you find it? How easy is it? And let's encourage one another. We should be praying with each other when we're meeting up. Okay, it's not just a nice knees up. How you doing? How's your week? Great. See you later. Okay, we need to be praying for one another. God's passionate about his house of prayer. A praying community. Jesus is passionate. Holy Spirit is passionate. Let's engage with what God is building, the interior. Enough nights. We have enough nights. There are terminally prayer meetings, half nights of prayer. There's loads of places you can pray for other people. So pray with people, pray together. I just want to encourage you guys to pray more and more. Now, I'm aware of time. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Um, and I'm going to ask, if anyone wants to stoke their prayer life, I would love to just pray for you. Okay? I would love to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to pray. And then we're going to sing some songs to Jesus and we're going to engage with him. We're going to lift his name up and we're going to remember our Father who's in heaven. And we're going to come before that throne of grace, of confidence. Okay? And we're going to worship and enjoy him. We're going to just have to keep talking to him. We're going to just enjoy God together. So if, you want to, if everyone can stand. And maybe if you want to grow in prayer, if you want prayer to be stoked in your life, um, maybe the band can come up as well now. Um, I just ask you, you just lift your hands to the Lord, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pray that God does something in us that will cause us to walk forward on our knees. Holy Spirit, I thank you, I thank you so much for your help and desire for prayer. I thank you that you pray for us with words and, uh, and well, with, with groans, with deepness. Uh, there's a depth to your prayers for us, and you want us to be a prayerful people. And I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would stoke something inside us as a community of people who would move forward praying, that we be a people who get you, who understand in faith, that can move forward believing, persevering faith, that we be a people who stand firm in your word, that we would hold you to what you said, 
that we would see breakthrough time and time and again. I thank you. We've got so much to be thankful for, Father. So many breakthroughs already. Such a great story we've got that will echo through eternity. Countless answers to prayers, but we want more. We want more breakthroughs. So I ask you, Lord, would you give us a grace to be able to pray? Effective prayers. Effective prayers, we pray, Lord. Stoke us, I pray. Even this week, Lord, spark something. If there's people in here, I just feel that uh, there's people who used to have a really active prayer life. Uh, it used to be something that was really alive at one point, but for whatever reason, it just, it's just been sapped a little bit. Um, some, something's just strangling it and stopping it. I want to pray for you now because God wants you to, he wants you to rekindle that prayer life. It might mean a bit of discipline. It might mean uh, changing some things, planning some things, having an honest conversation. But he wants you to awaken that prayer life again. He says it's not the end. Okay, it's not the, it's not the end of your prayer life. It's still just, you're just at the start. There's so much more for me in my throne of grace. So Holy Spirit, would you help particularly those people, even now I pray who used to have a prayer life, Lord. I pray you would squash the lies of the enemy, the condemnation that would say they're not worthy, you've blown the chance, you might as well forget it. It's not like it used to be. Things have changed. All those lies, we just squash them now in the name of Jesus. We squash them and we ask Jesus that we would move forward with our interior being prayer. Lord Jesus, that we would build what you're building, Jesus. Give us grace to see a prayer-filled community. In your mighty name we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.